Good evening. Whoop, one minute. There we go, much better. Bruch Maboyim. Tonight, Chav Beishvat. Actually, today was Chav Beishvat. Around online. Give me a cup, please. This Shabbos Pashim Mishpatim, and this Shabbos is Shabbos Golim. So, action packed. And we're truly going to try to keep within an hour. Now, truth is, why? Why an hour? The answer is because that was what was made up originally years ago when we started this year that nobody should ever get antsy and be able to hold out through the year. so in order to be able to do that we keep it exactly to an hour and sometimes we succeed sometimes it's less haha <laughs> anyway There are three types of mitzvahs, three types of commandments, the Eidus, Chukim, and Mishpatim. Eidus are mitzvahs that give testimony to something that happened to the Jewish nation. For example, the holiday of Pesach, the Yom Tov of Pesach. Pesach is celebrated in commemoration to Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. Texts are coming in. I don't know, why don't you see me? You don't... I just added you, what happened here? Let's try it again. Oh, you're offline, that's why you didn't know. Okay. I got in here. Shavuos commemorates Matantera. The receiving of the Torah and Hasinai, etc. Sukkis, the Sukkis that the Jews traveled in. Hence, we find the mitzvahs of Edus are mitzvahs that you didn't keep to, you didn't find as common practice. And almost self-understanding why we do this. Then we have the mitzvahs of chukim. Chukim are mitzvahs we don't understand. What does it mean we don't understand? Why we do a mitzvah we don't understand it? Right, can I have that book, please? Why do we do a mitzvah we don't understand? Let us understand before we do. We understand why we do a mitzvah. Before, why we don't understand it? Let us understand what it means that we understand that we don't understand. And let us understand why we don't understand it. It's a nice thing, a couple. What is a mitzvah? A mitzvah, the word mitzvah comes from the Lushan of the Zohar, Tzafsa Vachibur. Tafsa means to attach, to connect. 
we do a mitzvah, we become one with the commander of the mitzvah. The Abishta, the Almighty, commanded us to do a mitzvah, and by doing this mitzvah, we become one with God. It's not pshat that we are now emissaries, and as emissaries, we are doing a mission for the Master, but more than that, we become one with the one that commands it. We develop an attachment We develop a call failed. I got in you. Uh, the other one of the other line is called he was talking. Okay, I hope he's connected up. We connect ourselves, we become one <coughs> with the person that the one that is mitzvah that commands us to do this mitzvah. How do we become one? Are you talking? Oh, she doesn't know she's online. Okay, I better disconnect her. She doesn't know. Her husband's not home. We become one with the commander, with the Abishta, who commanded us to do this mitzvah. What a phenomenon. But the truth is, we're on this world with a mission. We are sent onto the world with a mission. And because we have this mission, therefore, Because we are on this mission, therefore, we have to accomplish this mission. Tonight, as we said before, is Chav Beishvat. Well, today was Chav Beishvat. The 22nd day of the month of Shvat, which was the yard site, the anniversary of the passing of Rebbe Tzinchaya Mushka, the Rebbe's wife. The Rebbitson always kept very low profile. She didn't like to have people treat her the way she deserved to be treated. Which is an interesting phenomenon, and we don't usually find that in today's day and age. 
where a person who has an opportunity to flaunt their position decides rather to take the back seat. But the Rebetzin was just like that. The Rebetzin did not believe in pomp and stance, did not believe in being treated differently. And therefore, as the story goes, when she was asked why she does not come to shul on Shoshana to hear the Shefer, she said, I'd rather stay at home and hear the Shefer hear the Shefer quietly in my house than have to go out into the shul and have everybody pushing for me and, and, and getting making space for me. This was the Rebetzin's attitude. She didn't like to be under the spotlight? She didn't want anyone... No, not at spotlight, she didn't care. As long as people didn't know what she was up to. The Rebbe sent her on several missions. After the war, the Rebbe sent her to France to see how the people that came out of Russia were dealing with France, with freedom, see to it that they have jobs, etc. Nobody knew who was doing it. She was sent on another mission to Connecticut once, There was a chassid in Manchester, England, Zalman Jaffe. Very colorful chassid, to say the least. I've told stories of Zalman Jaffe. He has several books of diaries, which he kept. And his diaries are very, very, very... Um, to the point. He didn't leave, didn't leave much out. If he went to eat in someone's house, he, he had that in his diary. Um, he was in someone's house, and the, there was a Hassan Kala there. And the Hassan Kala were looking at each other. It's in the diary. This is the Hassan, this is the Kala. How they're looking at each other. Loving looks. Whatever. Zalman Jaffe on occasion, came to, every time he came to America, obviously, he went into Yechidus. Shalom, shalom. Regards from uh, your brother. No, his. Regards from your brother. Oh, he doesn't want to see you. Okay. He's arrived. So, Abzalman Jaffe from Manchester once came to the Rebbe in Yechidus on a private audience. He had arrived here from England for a yomtif or whatever. And he gave the Rebbe seven bottles of mashke. And you hear this, he brought in seven bottles for the Rebbe. So the Rebbe said, why seven? He was English, he had a very heavy English accent. And he said, that's how many they allow in duty-free. <laughs> Aha, so he brought whatever they allowed him. He's actually a wealthy man. And the Rebbe said, and what do you expect me to do with seven bottles of mashka? He told the Rebbe, each night before the Rebbe goes to sleep, she takes a little bit, it'll help me sleep better. The Rebbe's reply was, 
I don't think Mr. Schneerson appreciate that. Of course, referring to the Rebbitzin who wouldn't blink an eye. But Zalman Jaffe, the reason the Rebbe said it to Zalman Jaffe is because Zalman Jaffe was extremely close with the Rebbitzin. There was a certain circle of people that had gotten into Beis Harav and had contact with the Rebbe, with the Rebbitzin, on a personal basis. When Zalman Jaffe's granddaughter was here in, in, in New York studying, he went to the Rebetzin, he told the Rebetzin that his daughter, granddaughter is going to be here for this school year. And he's concerned, she doesn't really have anybody here, etc. Throughout the winter, if she needs something. So the said, I'll, I'll be in touch with her. And lo and behold, months went by until the Rebetzin finally contacted her. And they were a little shocked. Why the Rebetzin hadn't contacted her before. And then it was discovered that the Rebetzin would call the school and she would ask for Miss Lou. Last name was Lou. She would ask for Miss Lou. And she wouldn't identify herself. They would say, I'm sorry, we don't allow students to get phone calls. So she hung up. She would, had she identified herself, needless to say, the people would have said, of course, they'll get her for the phone. But because the Rebetzin refused to, chose to not take advantage of her position, it took her months until she finally managed to find a way to get in touch with the girl. In those days, obviously, there were no cell phones. The Rebetzin had a certain closeness to several families, as we said. Dr. Feldman was one of them. He lives here on President Street. No. And Dr. Feldman's daughter had become a Kala, was becoming a Kala. The daughter used to go to visit the Rebetzin. And she would discuss things, she would discuss her life with her, and she would act like a grandmother or a mother even. And when she was dating, she, the Rebetzin advised her throughout. And she actually became a Kala. I think right after the Rebetzin passed away. But in the ambulance, on the way to the hospital, the Rebetzin asked, I know the ambulance, excuse me, in the vehicle, going to the hospital, the Rebetzin asked the doctor, instead of asking her condition, her position, the Rebetzin asked, how is it going with the Hassan Kala, with the girls, whatever. Or maybe they were really Hassan Kala. Whatever someone's asking about the wedding itself. Okay. The Lachaim was after. That's why you used to be fearful. Huh? You used to be fearful. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was after the Rebbitson passed away, and the Rebbe gave instructions how the L'chaim should be, with music and happy and everything, although people didn't want to. There's a famous story of the Rebetzin on Long Island. I don't remember what she was going on Long Island for. She had a driver. 
And they drove by a house. They saw a whole family outside. And there were police and whatnot. Police. Obviously it wasn't police, it was the marshal. And um, the Ebbetson told the driver to go back. The driver went back and the Ebbetson asked the driver to inquire what was going on. And the Ebbetson and the guy inquired and found out that the family was being evicted from the house. So he came back and told the Ebbetson they're being evicted from the house. So the Ebbetson asked how much they need. And the driver found out. And the Ebbetson wrote a check for the amount to put this family back in their house, not knowing who they are, never seen them before. This is the way of the Ebbetson. The Rebetzin also wrote in the pamphlets, we have here the set of the books now, Talks and Tales. It used to come out once a month. A little pamphlet, different things. One of the sections in Talks and Tales, it's a child's publication, was Nature in Wonderland. And the Rebetzin wrote this article about different Things in nature. It's also in Yiddish, Muslim Kinder. The Rebetzin wrote the Yiddish one as well. So the Rebetzin ultimately was quite involved in my personal experience. The first years when they started the Simchas Beit Sasheva, the dancing on the street, on Sukkis, with the Rebbe's encouragement, of course. We lived down there, on Kingston and Montgomery. And it was right outside our window, physically. They used to take the wires to our apartment to plug in the electricity for the musicians. And um, our sukkah was a space between our apartment and the next apartment. We were living in an attached building. So we were on top of a store... And the next apartment was on top of a shul, but there was like a, a, a um, little rooftop over the middle of the building. And that was four walls already, so all we had to do was put up the schach, and we had a sukkah. And that's how a sukkah was. So we were basically very centrally located to Simchus Beis Hasheva. We were newly married, and we... Uh, invited one person, or a second, or a third, and some people came on their own, heard that there was a L'chaim, that there was a fabrengen going on, they came up. Pretty much the sukkah was packed all night long. My wife pretty much cleaned out the house. Anything that we had, she kept baking and cooking, whatever it was to send out to the sukkah. The next day, one of the Rajbak, one of the people that worked, that we used to go to the Rebetzin's house, was by the Rebetzin, and she asked, how is this dancing going? How is it happening? What's going on there? And he said that there's a family, Hecht, 
and their house is open and the sukkah is available for everybody. And it was very ironic that last night they cleaned them out. Last night there was nothing left in food. So the was very excited to hear this. The Rebison took from her table a blueberry pie that she had, someone that's gotten from the bakery, and she sent it to her house. She wants to also partake. And um, I don't remember, I guess we did tell people that it was from there, and that's why it went very quickly. But um, I don't think she wanted us to tell anybody, she just wanted to send us... So this was the legacy of the Rebetzin. was a very, very important one to us. Rebetzin's name was Chayamushka. Chayamushka Schneerson. The Rebbe's, the Rebbe, right, the Rebbe's wife. Now understand that her father was the Rebbe, the previous Rebbe. The Rebbe is the son-in-law of the previous Rebbe. So her father was a Rebbe, her grandfather was Rebbe, and her husband now is Rebbe. But she never took advantage of this. She never... Let everybody, you know, wa- let her walk as royalty through the streets, because oh, this is such royalty in the families. The two gravestone, the oil. Is the Rebbe and the Friedrich Rebbe? A son-in-law, her father and her husband. Correct. So, in essence. Her legacy, Chayimushka Shneerson. And the Rebbe said, Chayimushka Shneerson is the letters Ches Mem Shin. Chayimushka Shneerson, Chomesh. Her father was Yosef, but Yosef Yitzchok. So therefore, one Yud would suffice to spell the name of the Rebbe, Fidik Rebbe. And if we take the Yud from Yosef Yitzchok and the Ches Mem Shin from Chayimushka Shneerson, we have the letters Mashiach. And the Rebbe spoke many, many, many heartfelt sikhs. The main idea that the Rebbe expressed during the Shiva and throughout the year after was Vahachai Yitain El Libo. We wonder. We all wonder. We're on this world for X amount of time. As we told the story several months ago, nobody's bad enough to be taken away early, and nobody's good enough to last longer. Everybody has their years. This is an expression from the Rebbe, actually. Everybody has their years. And therefore, today someone said something about, oh, it was a prostate issue somebody had. And he said, I asked, how is the guy doing? Oh, the doctor said you could live your whole life with it. I said, you know what you just said? Yeah, the doctor said you could live your whole That's right. Because when you die, you're no longer living your life. So you lived your whole life with it. I mean, <laughs> that was one of the real... It's right up there with, with new and improved. I think that was my favorite advertisement when you have a product that's new and improved. If it's Wasn't new, <laughs> how can no? If it's new, then what was it improved on? 
If it's improved, then it's not new because it's something from an old thing. It improved from the last one. Then it's not new. Of course it's new. It's not a new thing because it's improved from an old story. I took product A, I took product A, and today I made a better one, right? Okay. What did I do? I cloned product A, and I improved it. Right. In other words, product B is a product, prototype of product A. But it's, in, it's new to the market. Yeah, it's more it's new, new to the market, but it's not a new thing, because it's, uh, yeah, it's a new, ge- okay, good, so every time it's a car, mind, but <laughs> it's, but it's not, it's, it's new and improved, are an oxymoron. Why? They had a new iPod to say new and improved. Okay, and they, they right, but it doesn't make sense. But when they say it's new and improved, meaning they add, they improve their by their features. New is something new to the market. It's a wonderful way of expressing it, but in, in, in essence, it's a chukat lula. It's a total contradiction. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll set that out as the uh, feeler and anyone that wants to at, uh, email us back at the ryhecht at uh, com, and we can Discuss that back and forth. We can just debate it. When they tell you Blackberry is new and improved, what do you think by that, Rabbi? It's not new because it's a Blackberry. But it's a new device. It's a new device. It's not a new device. It's still a Blackberry. It's, a dis- it's not the same old device that you had before. What does that mean? It's a Blackberry. It's a different it's a Blackberry. It's, it's a, a name. Th- that's right. So it's a Blackberry. It's a Blackberry. No, you get, you but you're one. holding it a completely newer item in your hands yeah, or a, a new device. Yeah, there's a curve, there's a, there's old your old car. Your old car. No. And your new car. Is it improved? No. It's exactly. It's a new car. It's a, it's a car. There's not, there's not improved. It gets you from point A to point B. So why is it improved on? What? You got a new one. So what's the improved? That you just... What features to the car? Yeah, right. Push start. CD. You know, what's a different that? car? Different car, but it's improved. It's not improved. It's a different phone. No. If I take my light fixtures, missing bulbs, right, or sockets are not working, and I fix them, what did I do? It's improved. It's improved. improved. The same fixture. Same fixture, but it's it's considered. But if I take instead of this one, I put that one in here. It's 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 a new one. Yeah. But it's not improved. If you put a new tire in your car, is it a new tire or it's improved? It's a new tire. It makes an improvement on my car? Yes. But the the tire itself is not improved. (laughs) Is this a whole concept of it? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) You have to understand that I I used to do this for for a hobby. And we can go back and forth for hours on this and not get anywhere. My mind, you're not changing. People that get lost there. there we go. So those people that are lost, let us get back to our new improved cheer. <laughs> <laughs> so the Rebetzin, therefore, left us a legacy of Atzen Alechas. person has to go in a calm fashion. Not everything has to be pop and stance. Not everything we do has to be recognized. Not everything we do, everyone has to know, oh, this guy did this, wow, great person. Not everything you have to get a medal for. We live and let live. But, the Rebetzin did say, it was a very interesting story. The Rebbe came home from 770, about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning once. And a person called 770 to the secretary's house, Go to one of the secretary's house. 
So the child had fallen and was in a very, very dire straits. A life and death situation. So he said, I'm sorry, I can't help you that I went home. He said, but we have to get this message to Rebbe. I need the Rebbe's advice. I need the Rebbe's bracha. The child is, God forbid, going to die till the morning. Are you kidding me? person cried hard enough and loud enough to the secretary had no choice, called the Rebbe's house. And the Rebbe answered. And the, it's 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Hmm. And the secretary said, I apologize for calling at this hour and everything else, but there's a situation. The Rebbe said, why are you apologizing? We, my husband and I, are on this world for, to complete a mission to help other Jews. You are just enhancing my mission. You're helping me do my mission to help Jews. Why would you apologize? This is the Rebetzin's attitude. You're helping me to help Jews. Two o'clock in the morning. The Rebetzin actually was very interesting. There were times the Rebbe was sitting in Yechidus. Yechidus meant the Rebbe sat until 4, 5, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. There was even a Yechidus that went till the morning. And the person that came in, the last person, it was light outside. And the Rebbe asked him, did he say, Kriyashma Shalamita? Kriyashma, before we go to sleep. So he told the Rebbe, I, I'm waiting all night for Yechidus. When was I supposed to say, Kriyashma Shalamita? So the Rebbe said, when you go home, you're going to lie down, no? He says, yeah, but it's light outside. So Rebbe said, close the curtains. <laughs> The Rebbe used to come home sometimes 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. The Rebbe would sit and wait for the Rebbe. She, she would not go to sleep. As a matter of fact, she would have the Rebbe's dinner ready. And when he was on his way home, they would let the Rebbe know and he would warm up the dinner. she would warm up the dinner. She said that just because he's doing his mission, <laughs> helping each and every last Jew that he can, doesn't mean that he deserves to eat dinner cold and is alone, alone or come to an empty house with the lights off. And the, the Rebbe simply used to stand and wait for the Rebbe to come or sit wait until the Rebbe came. So this is... Today. No, and, the Rebbe, and this was the devotion, the dedication the Rebbe had towards the mission. The mission of existing in this world. So on the side, the Rebbe's message was v'chayit nalibay. Us, today, that us people that are still alive in this world have to learn, have to carry on a legacy. We have to see to it that we take upon ourselves something to continue the name of the Rebetzin. To continue the way that the Rebetzin has taught us. The Rebetzin doesn't want us to walk around saying, I'm doing this for the Rebetzin. That's not what she wants. She wants us just to do it. Don't mention me. Take to heart and act as I acted. Do as I did. Feel as I felt for a fellow Jew. Forgiving and loving. Before we go on to <coughs> Pasha's column, <coughs> this week's Pasha, there are many mitzvahs. Let us get the exact number of mitzvahs here. Uh, what does it mean when you 
We'll get to in a moment then. There are 53 mitzvahs, 23 positive and 30 negative. Many mitzvahs. When a person curses their parents, the person is severing themselves from their parents. They're what? <coughs> they're severing themselves. They're cutting themselves off from their parents. They're, they're just cutting themselves off by saying, when one curses their parents, they're saying that you're you and I'm me. And they're not connected. They're no, no longer connected to their parents. By not having parents... It's like out of anger sometimes, you know, like... So again, it, it's, it's what the level and what the magnitude is and what it is that the person was prompted. Anger is its own issue. Anger is its own avera. And all this comes from the Yitzhahara. So we have to all deal with the Yitzhahara on each one of these little steps. We'll get to this another time though. Pasik tells us one of the mitzvahs in the Torah and the Lusik's Pasha, Kisikne Eved Ivri. When you will purchase a Jewish slave. Rashi says, Eved Ivri means Eved Shehu Ivri. A Jewish slave. Rashi asks, Oh yeah, maybe that's not the case. But Avdoi Shel Ivri, the slave of a Jew, which means Eved Kenani, Shalakasayim Yisrael, that was taken from a Jew, a non-Jewish servant taken from a Jew, Talmud Leimar, says, When your Jewish brother was sold to you, what does it mean? This is only said with your brother, meaning a Jew. There's a sefer called the Divrei David. Divrei David writes, he has a question. Wherever it says Eved Ivri, Always means, Ivri means a Jew. Why over here all of a sudden does he have this issue that think maybe it's Eved Knani? And many people ask this question. <laughs> now the truth is, it's a fire question on Rashi. If it says Ivri, it means an Ivri, a Jew. Why does Rashi have to explain it Tell us that it definitely means a Jew, because we would think maybe, maybe you think it's not a Jew. No, it's a Jew. Rashi's explaining this thing to the Mechamish the Mikra. The Mechamish the Mikra hears what he has to hear, learns according to the shout to the pasuk. So the Mechamish the Mikra is listening to the pasuk. Why confuse him? Why confuse the Mechamish the Mikra? Why tell him it means a Jew? Obviously, it means a Jew. When was this said? This was said when the Jews left Egypt. This command that was given when the Jews left Egypt. And right after the splitting of the Red Sea. At that point in time, every single Jew had donkeys full of gold and silver. Every Jew owned donkey loads of gold and silver. So each Jew was very, very rich. You're commanding these people, these very, very wealthy people, if God forbid a Jew becomes poor, 
and has to sell himself. This and this is the din. These are the laws. So these very people are looking at you very strangely. Go to an American child and tell the American child <laughs> there was once a comedian in the 60s, 50s his name was Alan Sherman Alan Sherman was a hefty fellow to say the least or you can call him obese or extremely obese he was very fat Alan Sherman said you know how I got fat I'll tell you how I got fat he says when I was little, my mother would tell me, when I had my dinner on my plate, clean your plate, for the children in Europe are starving. That was the expression the Americans used to use. Clean your plate, for the children in Europe are starving. So Alan Sherman says, when I heard that, I thought... That when I clean my plate, the children in Europe won't starve. I said, if that's the case, by cleaning my plate, I'm saving the children from Europe starving. I clean my plate two, three times each meal. So that's how I got fat. He said, I didn't get fat because I'm a glutton. I didn't get fat because I'm a pig. I got fat because I was saving the children in Europe. Medic expression. Tell the American child that there are children in Biafra that have no food, that have no chocolate, that have no cake, that don't even know what chocolate or cake is. And the American child will look at you very oddly and actually refer you to their therapist. Because I think a very large percentage of American children have therapists. So they know very well what it means to send you to a therapist. What are you nuts? How is that possible that someone in today, in 2012, doesn't have chocolate? Doesn't have cake? That's not possible! I mean... Tell the Jew that just came out of Egypt and just crossed the Yamsuf and had donkey loads of gold and silver that in case a Jew becomes poor and has to sell himself as a slave and they thought, you're nuts! Look what we have here. I really have to get to Pashish but I just want to put an emphasis with a little story. There was a in the olden days, Jews lived in ghettos. And when a Jew lived in the ghetto, it meant that this was the Jewish quarter, and this could be the Christian quarter next door. If you were Jewish, you buddy stay in your Jewish quarter. Christians could come to the Jewish quarter, but Jew better not be in a Christian quarter. And it came to sometimes, in some points in history, where if a Jew, God forbid, was in the Christian quarter, the Christians could do anything they wanted. 
There was a very, very wealthy Jew who lived in the ghetto. <coughs> and he had just learned in Gemara that God is omnipresent, so much so that he can make the most wealthiest person in one minute the poorest. And he was thinking about this. And he said to himself, you know, it doesn't make sense. My riches are not in my store. It's not sure I have a store. If it burned down, I become poor. I have businesses. I have fields. I have houses. I have ships. I have tremendous amount of rechushim. Tremendous amount of properties of values. <clears throat> in one second, a ship doesn't sink in a second. A house doesn't burn down in a second. A field won't be destroyed in a second. How is it possible in one second I should be turned to, reduced to poverty? As he was thinking, so he was so deep and grossly in thought, he ended up walking into the Christian quarters. And immediately was recognized as the wealthy Jew. And he was grabbed and he was brought to the church. And the church decided they're going to have fun. Why kill him if we can get rich? And they told him, because you're here in the Christian quarter, you have to pay it. The price you're paying is Here's a star, here's a, a contract. You're giving everything over to the church. Everything you own, you have to itemize everything, your ships, your houses, your properties, your fields. Sign it all over to the church. Not much of a choice. He's in the Christian quarters. He signs over the contract. He walks out of the church. Thank you. Thank you. You've answered my question. How is it possible? A minute ago, I was so filthy rich, and now I'm all of a sudden reduced to total poverty. I have nothing. But you know, I don't want to test you anymore. But honestly, it says reverse as well. That the poorest person in one split second, become the richest. Let's be honest, Yibbana I am now totally destitute. I am nothing. I have nothing to my name. How is it really, how would it ever be possible for a man with my poverty today, in one second, should be as rich as I was yesterday, the rich as I was an hour ago? It's not possible. Because I can't buy a store, buy a ship, buy a house, buy buy all these things and amass all these riches again in that one split second. So again, he was very honestly thinking through the greatness of God, trying to figure out how it's possible. But as he was thinking it, a bolt of lightning came from the sky, hit the church, and burnt it to the ground with everybody and everything inside it. <laughs> Including the contract that he had just signed. 
So everything was returned to him in that very same spirit of a second. So we see that God's omnipresence takes us from any level that God wants to make us to another level immediately, on a spirit of a second. And so too, the Kisikna Evadivity says the Tera, yes, it's possible that God forbid a Jew should be poor enough to have to sell himself. And that's why we have to have these laws. Now in today's day and age, we also don't relate to poverty that well. We know people need money. Um, I heard something else with that. I wake up every morning, I go deeper in debt. But God can turn things around in a split second. And I'm still waiting for that watch that has that split second on it because, boy, it's not easy. You never study the Rolex very quickly. I gotta talk about Pasha Shkolem. Okay. The fellow is walking on the street one day, totally, totally dejected and depressed. And the priest walks by and says, John, what's the matter with you? Father, he says, it's, just dev- it's terrible. Business is just horrific. I'm losing every day more and more of my assets, my money. I'm going crazy. The Galach asked, he has to have a solution. Puts his hand on John's shoulder. He looks him in the eyes. Says, John, go home and study the Bible. Okay. Thank you, Father. John leaves, goes his way, and the Father goes his way. Months go by, and the Galax walking the streets, and this stretched limo pulls up next to him. And out pops out from the back, John. Chauffeured limo, a Rolex, Pierre Cardin shoes, suits, ties, top of the line, everything. Believe me, Pierre Cardin is not what it used to be 40 years ago when I heard the story. <laughs> <laughs> the Galax says to him, and he says, Father, would you like a ride? He says, Of course. He gets in the car. And he says to him, John, just a few short months ago, he told me how bad business was, how terrible things were. I'm glad to see things turn around. He says, Father, I, have, I owe you for this. I have you to thank. You have me to thank? Yes, Father, for your advice. What advice did I give you? <coughs> you told me go home and read the Bible. Good. You told me go home and read the Bible. Priest is thinking, he says, What did you find in the Bible? He says, Father, I opened the Bible and the first thing I saw on the top of the page is said chapter 11. So we know that you can change things around in one second. Yeah. This Shabbos is Pashish column. There are four Pashis. That are added to the year. Doesn't mean they're added to the Torah. The Torah has only the 50 plus parshas. <coughs> but there are four Shabbatot, four weeks of Shabbos, that are called, the Shabbos is called a special name. And they are Shabbos Kolom, Shabbos Zocher, Shabbos Parah, and Shabbos Achedish. 
This Shabbos is Pasha Shkolem. Allow us to just briefly give you the halachot, how they work. This works on basis of the month of Nisan. The month closest to Nisan. The other closest to Nisan. The other closest to Nisan means sometimes there's two others in a leap year. If there's two months of other, then the second month of other would be when we have the start of four Pashiyot. Shabbos Pashish Kolim has one of two criteria. Either it's the Shabbos that we bless the new month of Adar, or if Rosh Chodesh Adar comes out on Shabbat, then that would be Shabbos Kolim. Shabbos Zachar is not the Shabbos after Shkolim, but the Shabbos before Purim. And when we get to that Shabbos, we'll discuss what Zachar is. Shabbos Poro is the Shabbos before Chodesh. After Zachar, but before Chodesh. How does before Chodesh mean? Because again, Pashas Chodesh, like Pashas Kalim, is either Rosh Chodesh Nisan or the Shabbat that we bless the month of Nisan. And therefore, whenever that comes out, the Shabbat before that is Pasha's Parah. And we'll get to those Pashiyot. When we get there, we'll discuss them. Let us discuss Shabbos Kolim. Shabbos Kolim, we read, for each one of these Pashas, we take out a second Sefer Torah. Unless it's a Shkodesh, that Shabbos, we take out three. But let us stick to what we have this week, which is not a third Sefer Torah, only two. In the first one, we'll read our Pasha, Pasha Mishpatim. Seven people will be called up to the Torah. They go Hagba. They tie the Torah. They put down the second one. From the second one, they read the Pasha, the Torah, that talks about Machzit HaShekel. We'll soon explain that. Which is in Pasha Kisisa. Now, in essence, a very interesting thought, Pasha Shkolem is a jet setter. It opens the road. What does that mean? All the other Pashas, Chaydish, Para, Zachar, we can understand why we take out a second Sefer Torah. Because they're not in the vicinity of the parasha that we're reading. So therefore, so not to cause waste of time in Shul, of rolling the Torah to the next parasha, we take our second Sefer Torah. And one is the parasha, and one is the other one. Kisiso, we lay always parasha Shkolim while we're, we're reading Shemais. Somewhere in the book of Shemais. It's a few pages this way or that. Mishpatim, Truma, Tetzavah, It's two pashas in between. Short ones at that. So if we're reading Mishpatim, we just got to roll it and we're by Kisisa. The weight, nobody will even notice the weight. 
But still in all, we take out a second Sefer Torah for it. First of all, to show the value of the Jewish time. And secondly, because the other parashiyot are going to have two. And each one has its own Torah for the special parasha. Not to differentiate for this one. Therefore, we read, we take a second Sefer Torah out. Pasha Shkola talks about Machzah Shekel, the half a shekel that they used to count the Jewish nation. Every Jew had an obligation if you had to sell the shirt off your back to present on the day of Rosh Chodesh Nisan a half a shekel. <laughs> this money, no, they don't, take, they don't charge you for census. This shekel, this half a shekel, was put away into a gizba, into a special account, which was used for kabanot zibur, for the public sacrifices. I told you they used to buy sacrifices that represented the entire nation. Animals, <laughs> cow or, or, or sheep, whatever it had to be. Mm. Now. Tzibur Tzibur a minion a congregation represents the entire Jewish nation why? because Tzibur is an acronym Tzadik Bet Resh Tzadikim Benonim and Rishayim the righteous, the average and the wicked everybody is on one page. Everybody's all together. Nobody says, you're not good enough, you're too good. Whatever it is, everybody is a tzibur. The maxis shekel is a half a shekel. Why a half? To tell every Jew that you are half. You have to know that your life mission is to help a second person. To help a fellow Jew. You don't accomplish anything on your own. You have your own mitzvot that you have to do as well. But your life mission, the goal in your life, is to go the nine yards, the hundred yards, to help the fellow Jew. And therefore we have only matz shekel, and the Pasuk tells us, The rich man cannot add, and the poor man cannot be less. Everyone must pay half a shekel, and there's no head checks. On Rosh Nisan. When did they start to warn the people? Rosh Adar. You were given a full month warning. Start getting that half a shekel together. On the 15th of the month of Adar, every city had a gizbal, a gabai, a treasurer that set up house. He set up a table, and everybody that was able to, gave their half a shekel at that point. On the 25th of the month, these people all moved to Yerushalayim, and you had to come to Yerushalayim to give it. By Rishkodesh Nisan, everybody had to come to the Beit to give if they didn't give it yet. I know who gave. I know if I gave. Oh, okay. I see and everybody knew their responsibility. And another thing, this was how they counted the Jewish nation. 
If you didn't give and they counted a hundred thousand instead of instead of a hundred thousand and one, you sought you caused the number of the Jewish nation to be lessened. So you had an obligation to each and every Jew with your half a shekel. And that is therefore why the person had to give the half a shekel. And we didn't tell it, nobody was allowed to give less, and nobody was allowed to give more. And this was, this is the main lesson, excuse me, that we take from Pasha Shkolem, that, as we spoke before about the Debitson, that we have to see to it to fulfill our life mission in this world, to complete what we have to for our fellow Jews. As we learn from Pasha Mishpatim, which are the mitzvahs, that are commonsensical mitzvahs. We spoke before about the edus and the chukim. The testimony and the ones that have no ends, no reasoning. No actual reason to it. And then there's the mishpatim, which is this week's parasha, which are common sense mitzvot. Don't kill, don't steal, don't hurt others. Which are common sense because you have to coexist with other people. So therefore the shkolim, Mishpatim and Chavvei Shvat all come under one umbrella, under one theme of looking out for our fellow Jew. And that's why the Pasuk tells us even one of the interesting mitzvahs in the Torah. If you will see your friend with a donkey laden and the donkey is buckling and collapsing and he needs to unload it quickly, Azayv Tazayv Imai. You are to stand there and to help him and to work with him to help him unload his donkey. And the Bashemta says, Kisira Chamoir. Chamoir means Chamur, the thickness of the world. If you see that a Jew is under the, the oppression of the world, that he's being oppressed by life, by lifestyle, by money, by whatever it might be. And therefore his mitzvahs are being hindered. His avodah, his service to God is being hindered. See to it, azov, tazov, imo, you should help him out. To help him out from under this. He doesn't know how to learn the Torah. He doesn't know how to practice it because he doesn't understand translations. Your mission is azov, tazov, imo. To work with him and to help him out from this. And this is you yourself. You, person, each and every person has that two people. Has the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah And if a person, God forbid, is under the impression he wants to do a sin, it's not him, it's his Yetzirah that's telling him to. And because the Yetzirah is forcing him to, that is the Chamur Shaba Olam. That is that terrible thing, that terrible part. And therefore you have to help Azov Tazov Imo. Help the body and work with the body, only if the body works with you. You don't have to do it if the guy doesn't want to work with you. He tells you, unload it for me, you don't have to do it. It's only Imo. And this is therefore the Yetzatov and the Guf, the body, working as one in unison. And we should all be able to work together in unison. And this Shabbos, we should be able to give our Machzta Shekel in Yerushalayim, Merakodesh, in the Beit HaMikdash HaShlishi. Shabbat Shalom to all. I have another Shabbat.